and this is Reliving My Youth. My name is Noel Fogelman. My guest today is actor Sean Kanan. Now Sean's probably best known for portraying Karate's bad boy Mike Barnes in Karate Kid Part 3. I like Karate Kid Part 3. I feel it's more of a truer sequel to the original than Karate Kid Part 2 was. Besides Karate Kid Part 2's first five minutes, I don't really like the movie. We talk about how he landed the role of Mike Barnes, what he thinks Mike Barnes is up to these days, and he talks about how he almost died filming the movie. We talk about also one of his most recent films called Limelight. It's about social media and how you can have fame without actually having talent. Besides acting, Sean's a stand-up comic. He's also an author of a very entertaining cookbook called The Modern Gentleman. Not just a cookbook, it also has some life stories as well. Sean, really super guy, and hope you like my conversation with him. And helping me relive my youth today is Sean Kanan. Sean, how are you today? Hey, man. Thanks so much for calling. Oh, thanks for thanks for uh, accepting the call. I really appreciate it. Um, <laughs> a big fan of your work. I'm just going to start with um, one of your latest uh, movies, which I really enjoyed, Limelight. And oh, it, wow. Thanks. Yeah. You know, it's about you know, social media, you know, the effects on stardom and how right. pretty much – you don't have to be talented to be famous now. Um, your your role was Sergio was the kind of sleazy producer, the puppet master of, of the movie, so to speak. Uh, how did you get involved in this movie? Um, how did I get involved with that movie? Uh, I am friends with James Cullen Bresick, who directed it, and uh, Paul Vandervoort, who uh, played the lead role and wrote it, and. Uh, the guys asked me if I would be interested in playing the role, and uh, I, I just thought the role was so much fun. I mean, the guy's just like a, you know, an over-the-top, kind of stereotypical uh, L.A. sleazeball producer, and uh, God knows I've encountered enough of them in my career to <laughs> right. uh, be able to uh, get a little payback. <laughs> but uh, uh, it really was a lot of fun, and you know, it, it, it appealed to me because... You know, I remember when there was no internet, there was no social media, and it's become obviously such, you know, a worldwide phenomenon. And what you said is absolutely right. You know, there's so many people that are generating their own content through YouTube and Instagram, et cetera, and becoming um, sort of mainstream stars. And a lot of them have very little talent. Uh, they've just got the ability to kind of, you know, open up their lives to the rest of the world. And, and that's what's that's catapulting them into this type of, you know, limelight, if you will. And so I just thought it would be really interesting to uh, participate in a film that kind of examined that. Right. And uh, you mentioned uh, Paul Vandervoort, who wrote it and uh, started. Did, had yeah. you, and you knew him before uh, working on this film? Uh, I met him just before working on the film, yeah. Yeah, and I'm trying to figure out what, what James... I think I met. I think I met them. I met them both. I'm, you know, I actually am not quite sure how we met. I don't remember actually. Uh, I've done two films with James. I'm going to be starting another one soon, so they they sort of all blend together a little bit. But uh, you know, James is a really talented uh, uh, director. He directs a lot of stuff in the horror genre, and um, I actually. 
actually had uh, a couple of friends who were also acting in the film, so it just seemed like a real good fit. Yeah, and one of the cast members who people would, would definitely know has grown up in a massive way, Jonathan Lipnicki, who was in yeah. Jerry Maguire. You wouldn't recognize him. The, the, the human head weighs 11 pounds. Yeah, exactly. He, he shed the little spiked hair and the glasses, and he grew up yeah. in a big way, and he, you know, he, he did yeah. a good job in his role as well. Lipnicki's great. He knocks me out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's totally. Um, now, I watched another one of your films recently. It was a small part, uh, Gangsterland. Gangsterland, and, yeah. That, that was another one. Uh, James Cullen Bresick actually was the producer on that, and he hired me for that one. So that was a lot of fun, too. Yeah, and I had uh, Michael Perret on last year. Who, oh, cool. Yeah, and he's worked a lot with uh, Timothy Woodward Jr. In, in, his, yeah. in his movies, and he had a small role as well. And that was definitely an entertaining uh, film as well, a different look at uh, the Al Capone and the gangsters sure. of the Chicago time. Yeah, I mean, it was really fun to, uh, I had never done a period piece before, and so it, it was a lot of fun for me to, you know, step onto the back lot, and you see all the guys, you know, dressed in, uh, you know, 1930s clothing with fedora hats, pinstripe suits, and see all the, uh, uh, the cars that are from, from that time period, um, so that, that was a lot of fun. Right. All right, so let's, I mean, obviously, let's talk about now the role that, you know, made you famous, put you on the map. Uh even before Karate Kid, let's go back a little further. Um, I know I know you were involved in martial arts long before Karate Kid, but how did you get involved in it? Uh, I started I started with karate when I was about thirteen years old in my hometown of Newcastle, Pennsylvania, uh, and I've studied martial arts, you know, off and on throughout the years, uh, different types of martial arts. Uh, you know, times when I've trained extensively times when I, I haven't necessarily trained, you know, as hard, but, but it's, it's always been, um, a part of who I am about, you know, my philosophy, etc. Um, so, you know, when the, when the part of, uh, the bad guy for Karate Kid 3 came around, um, Sensei Fumio Demura was actually the head of the karate organization that, that my school in Pennsylvania was a part of, and I got okay. to know him. Right. And he had, he had said to me, listen, they're going to be hiring this bad guy, and you should go audition for it. And uh, it's, it's kind of an interesting story. I I was already in Los Angeles. I was, I was attending UCLA getting my degree in political science, uh, but I was out here to act, and they had an open call uh, for the part of Mike Barnes. And I had done some small TV roles, and uh, had my SAG card, and I went to go see the casting director, and I said, "Listen, uh, you know, I'm a real actor." I said, "Can I audition for you now?" And, and she said, "No, you can go wait in line like everybody else." And uh, I, I did wait in line, um, and John Avelson, who of course directed the first two Karate Kid films and won the Oscar for Rocky, uh, was walking up the line and uh you know i knew i had a couple of seconds to get his attention and i did and he asked me to do a quick improv with him which i did and he said okay i buy it and he sent me inside the studio and then it was like a three-ring circus i mean you know entertainment tonight was there all these media outlets and they were they were filming this cattle call for the new bad guy and it was like a publicity stunt i don't think they ever expected to find the part from this open call and uh, they had built a set, and Ralph Macchio was on the set, and they asked me to do an improv with Ralph, and I did, and they seemed to feel it was pretty believable. Uh, and actually, they, they hired another guy before me. They hired some other actor, and I guess they, they, they kept him for about two or three days, 
and I guess it just didn't work out for one reason or another. I, I don't honestly don't know why. And they called me back, and uh, I, I, you know, uh, John Avelson was there. Robert Mark Kamen, who, who he wrote, wrote the right. Kid, uh, films. He also wrote Taken, and you know, so many other uh, blockbusters. And Robert uh, is a—he uh, was a karate practitioner, and he he put me through you know a few little drills to make sure that you know I could I could do what was necessary physically. And before I knew it, within 20 minutes, they were sending me to wardrobe. I mean, it was surreal. Wow. <laughs> you know, I had I had watched the first two films in the theaters in the audience. And now suddenly here I am going through wardrobe and I'm going to be starring opposite Ralph Macchio as, as the new Cobra Kai bad guy. I mean, it was, it really was surreal. That's the only way I could experience, I could express it. Wow. That's, that's amazing. And you mentioned, uh, you know, Fumio de Murray or your sensei, the, the documentary, the real Miyagi is fantastic. So any karate kid fan should really watch that because it's amazing. Yeah. I think it's it's terrific. I was really honored to be a part of that. It's, it's something that he really deserved because he, uh, you know, he really is the Mr. Miyagi. Yeah, and you know Pat Morita, you know obviously that accent's fake, and all the stunts are done by uh, you know Fumio. But it's it's amazing right. how r- real it looked. Right. <laughs> you know it, it, was, it was truly amazing. But I, I, apo- I apologize in advance. I'm going to say, but you you nailed the role, but you were such a dick in that movie. You absolutely <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I hear, I hear. That's what I get all the time. She's a dick from Karate Kid Three. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now you know because they, they play the film over and over again. You know, of course, on, yeah. You know, they, there's a whole new generation of uh, little kids that think I'm a dick. So it's just probably going to go on until uh, until I die. Yeah, and you know it's funny because I, I interviewed Martin Cove um, last yeah. year, and I asked him about that. You know, in particular, it's like. You're so, you know, such a tough guy, you know, have the mean look. Did any, like, kids come up to you, like, kind of, you know, give you crap or afraid? He's like, I got a little bit of it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> he's such a sweetheart, too. Marty, I mean, Marty's like an uncle to me. He's a, he's a very dear friend and just a great guy. Yeah, he, he actually grew up in my hometown. I went to, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, he went to high school with my mom. <laughs> oh, he went to high school in Connecticut? Uh, no, uh, in Queens, New York. Oh, Queens, New York. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Gotcha. I, uh, I I just moved the state over. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but yeah, but back to the movie. There was, I'm not going to go scene by scene, but there was one scene that always cracks me up is when um, you guys are confronting Daniel in the dojo, and Miyagi comes and he kind of throws you into back into the uh, into the dojo. Right. How, how was that film? Because that was some throw he, he gave you there. <laughs> um. Well, that's in, that's an interesting that's an interesting scene. I'll tell you why. I almost died filming that. That's the one. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah, that's, that's the one. So uh, what they did was they had me flying through the two doors and then to simulate me hitting the ground, we did a separate shot where I stood stationary and then kind of jumped onto my side, onto the, the ground beneath me. And I, I did it multiple times. And at the end of the, the day of shooting, we broke for Christmas and I was having some really bad pain in my left thigh. So I started taking a lot of aspirin and drove to Las Vegas. Um, and uh, I was in uh, I was in the Dunes Casino. I'll never forget it. And I, I looked at my friend and I was like, you know, I think I'm going to pass out. And I passed out and the EMTs revived me. And they said, look, we got we to gotta get him to the emergency room immediately. He's lost a ton of blood. So what had happened was the repetitious jumping on my side had perforated uh, 
myomentum. It's this uh, sheath of skin that wraps around your intestine. Anyway, I had mm-hmm. bleeding internally, and, and the uh, taking the aspirin exacerbated the bleeding. And so I had lost a tremendous amount of blood, and the reason I passed out is I went into shock. And they revived me and said, look, we have to operate. And I, it was Christmas Day, 1990, 89 or 98, I have to check. And I said, what do you mean, like Monday? And they said, no, like in 10 minutes, you're going right wow. to surgery. And my friend called my parents, and they could only get one ticket to fly out. It was like midnight, like they just could not get another ticket. And so, uh, you know, I, I had come from a family of doctors, and so I told the, the operating surgeon, I said, whatever you do, don't don't cut the abdominal muscles. I said, resect them because they were going to do like abdominal exploratory surgery. Okay. And I knew I knew that if they cut my abdominal muscles, I was out of the movie. Right. And so they resected them. I came to you know in the you know the recovery room, staples like a about a foot all over my you know my abdomen. Long story short, you know I I, I had myself discharged from the hospital. Uh, they decided they were going to stop me and do all my karate, and I would do the close-ups, which to me was just a horrible idea because, right. you know, I was a better martial artist than the stuntman. Okay. And, uh, you know, I had practiced, and I, I wanted to do this. And so long story short, they, they put me together with a guy from the Rams. That was back when the Rams were here the first time. Right, right. And, you know, I started rehabilitating myself, and ultimately I wound up doing every single one of my own stunts in that movie with the exception of one – which was, if you remember, uh, Mike drove a convertible Mustang. Uh, and we, we did this sort of spin around in front of Miyagi's. Uh, oh, yeah. You jump in the car and drive and off. Then, yeah. And then, then we go across the train tracks. Right. As the trains got, I was like, screw that, man. I'm not driving across train tracks with <laughs> a train coming at me. I go, you get a stuntman for that one. And uh, But other than that, you know, I did all my own stunts. And, and so for that reason, um, and, and others, uh, you know, that movie will always have a very special place in my heart. It's 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 kind of bittersweet in a lot of ways. Right. Um, it, it, it certainly, you know, kind of put me on the map. Uh, you know, it was very very difficult physically for me, especially after I had had the surgery. Um, but you know, ultimately, I, I finished it and. You know, for, I mean, for the most part, uh, I'm fairly happy with it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you you were absolutely fantastic in the movie, and the movie oh. is, you know, it's 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 a fun movie, uh, totally. I, I like it more more than the first sequel, personally. I think, oh, wow. yeah, I think it's more. Okay, of, I think it's more of a direct, like you know, sequel to the first one than the second one. Right. Is. But yeah, and uh, Thomasine Griffin was like unbelievable. He was like so over the top, fantastic in that role. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and 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 he was a martial artist as well, right? Yeah, he's a really good martial artist. Yeah, I think he studies taekwondo. Oh, okay, uh, that's he's a terrific martial artist. Right. Okay. Yeah, my, my son who's thirteen, he's a, a third degree junior, uh, a brown wow. brown very, belt. Very so cool. he, he's getting there. Oh, he's getting. Cool. There. Yeah, he's he, he can almost kick my ass now. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, that role um. I know it's like you know very special to you and stuff like that, and obviously now with Cobra Kai out there and a different take on it. When you first heard about that they're going to do this show, what were your thoughts? Oh, I thought I thought it was incredible. I mean, uh, you know, I thought, wow, that's so great that it's going to reinfuse life into this uh, this franchise, which it absolutely has. And I just think it's genius. The the writers and producers have flipped it on its head. Obviously, it comes from the the reality that maybe Ralph was the bully and Johnny right. was the guy who was bullied. I just think that's epic. 
So, you know, I, I love it. I mean, I, I binge watched the first season and just thought it was tremendous. And, um, you know, uh, Billy's a buddy of mine and, and, and you know, uh, uh, Marty. And I mean, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, the second season and, and you know, seeing Marty has a real big part in the second season. So it's going to be it's going to be fantastic. I think it's going to be better than the first one. Yeah, the way they the way they did it was 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 really well done. Uh, of course, I'm going to ask: uh, Do you expect any involvement either in season two or season three, perhaps? You know, at, at this at this point, there there are no plans to have me in yet. I know, you know, I've, I've spoken to uh, uh, one of the producers, and I mean, they're they're very big fans of you know all the characters in right. the franchise. And I I think if they can work them in, they're certainly going to. I mean, there's been a there's been a real big, um, you know, outcry from fans that they would love to see Mike Barnes back. Yes. Uh, you know, my hope is that at some point that I get a chance to uh, uh, go work with all those guys. It would be great to, to have that reunion after 30 some odd years. But, uh, you know, at, at this point, I'm I'm happy to be a fan and hoping to at some point be a participant. Right. Yeah. I was at a panel uh, at comic-con for cobra kai and that question was asked like three or four times and the uh, you know creators like you know well maybe they don't want to give anything away you know of course but uh right. the, the fans the fans definitely want to see you they definitely want to see terry silver as well yeah well, that'd be a lot of fun yeah now you basically kicked his ass uh ralph macchio that whole match pat, <laughs> pat, pat johnson should have stopped it but you know of course he got the, the lucky you know the, the lucky uh karate shop in at the end um between you and Billy, who would win in a, a match? I would say, oh, you know, God, Mike Barnes, know. Uh, William Zappa, or uh, Johnny Lawrence. <laughs> the, 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 thing, this, this thing about, the thing about Mike Barnes is he, he, ain't, the, he ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. <laughs> right. I, mean, I mean, let's face it, what, what really beat Mike was he was baffled by Ralph's kata. Yeah, he was. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah. so, so, I mean, I don't know. I definitely have to give the mental edge to Johnny Lawrence. Yeah. <laughs> But just the, the sheer brute is is all Mike Barnes. Uh, no, yeah. I, I, who, who goes? I mean, you know. Yeah. I don't know. The one the one reason I, I, I would love to uh, to to be a part of the Cobra Kai series at some point. I'm curious how these guys envision Mike Barnes as as an adult. You know, I kind of was thinking about this, and, and to me, it seems like there would have been sort of two streets that this this delinquent kid right. could have wound up. He, he easily could have wound up going to jail. Of course, yeah. But he also could have maybe gone into the military and got himself straightened out. And, you know, you, you may see Mike Barnes as being like, you know, you know a spit-and-shine stand-up kind of Marine or something like that who who, who got his life together. And I, I think either way would be an interesting thing to play. Yeah, yeah, t- totally. I, I can def- definitely see, you know, either one of those. I As long as it's not following as, as you know, uh, Johnny Lawrence's character because you, you, you want to have him separated. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So, after- well, listen. These guys. These guys are really good writers and producers, and I think that you know, if if they did bring Mike Barnes on, that he would have a really interesting backstory that would certainly be very different from, from Johnny's. And so, uh, yeah, like I said, I, I would be really excited to see what they came up with. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But then after that, you you did a, a TV show that. I, I like the original movie of so Ralph Macchio was yeah. in The Outsiders. And yeah, The Outsiders. Yeah, yeah. that was. That was I mean, I was I was a huge, huge fan of of the books. So I read that was then. This is now. Right. Fish and The Outsiders, and then of course I was a huge fan 
of the film. I know it's kind of it's kind of weird. I you know just got done working with Ralph, and I did a TV series from an iconic movie that he was in. Right. Uh, that was that was a lot of fun. Again, that was kind of like you know playing dress up. You know, I mean, you know, all the all the cars in the fifties and everything, and we had a big gang rumble and all that sort of stuff. Really enjoyed doing that. Yeah, and, and the the cast was it was a really good cast in that as well. I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, was it David Arquette was in it? I think uh, Patricia Arquette had a... Uh, yeah, no, David Arquette was in it. Um, uh, Jay Ferguson from uh, Mad Men. Robert Rustler, Jay Ferguson. Right, you know, fortunately, we had three of our actors died. Uh, oh, wow. It was almost like it was kind of cursed. Yeah, Rodney Harvey passed away, and Harold Pruitt and Kim Walker. Oh, wow. Uh, which was just strange, because they were all young. Right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a very cool... Uh, that was a cool job. I like that one. Yeah, yeah. Billy Bob Thornton was in it too, as well. <laughs> Billy Bob, yeah. Billy Bob, yeah. It was cool. Yeah, yeah. So then, um, I have to admit, I haven't watched your soap operas. My mom's a big General Hospital <laughs> fan. She she says oh, yeah. Hi, yeah she says hi by the way. Uh, tell her I said hi. Okay, hi. yeah. My wife though is a big Days of Our Lives fan, so that's one of the ones that you I weren't on. But she never on Days of Our Lives. No, yeah. She gets me to watch it, but um, how different is it for an actor? Acting in a soap opera or like a prime or a prime time show or movie. Um, the biggest difference is the speed and amount of uh, material that you do. You know, when you're when you're doing a film, uh, you, you're probably going to shoot like three to three to five pages a day on a big budget film. On an independent film, you'll shoot more because you have less less time to do it. But um, you know, for instance, in the final uh, tournament scene for Karate Kid 3, I think we shot that thing for three or four days, and they had, they had eight cameras, I mean, it was, it was a, it was a large undertaking, and, um, you know, when you're doing a soap opera, uh, we shoot about a show and a half a day, so that, for instance, when you turn the TV on and watch on Christmas Day, there's a show, you know what I mean, so we gotta bank shows, so, um, you know, generally speaking, when I would shoot a day on a soap opera, I would have 25 to 30 pages of dialogue. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's mm-hmm. voluminous. So that's the biggest difference, the, the speed with which you have to shoot. Uh, generally, the film uh, has much more rehearsal process. There's almost non-existent rehearsal process for a soap opera. Uh, you know, you're going to rehearse with your other actors in the dressing room. You're going to come on set, do a run-through uh, for camera, and then shoot it. But, I mean, it's, it's an extremely fast-paced medium yeah. so you have to nail your lines or they'll find someone to replace you quickly right <laughs> so generally speaking yeah 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 so do you prefer like because you, you you kind of bounce around a little bit from show to show and do you prefer playing an original character because i know aj was um a previous actress that played him and you kind of go right. into him so do you like do the directors and or the creators of the show kind of have a an idea for the different actor to play, give him, give him a different take, or do you like have an actor playing a fresh original character? I don't know. I, uh, I mean, I was. It was great that I played AJ. Right. It was great for my career. Right. A lot of good stuff about it. But I, I much preferred playing uh, Deacon, Deacon Sharp on the Bold right. and Beautiful. It just was just a um, you know, it was the character that I was able to originate the character. I mean, obviously the creator Brad Bell created the character but i'm the only one who's ever played him right and uh you know whereas aj there's probably been set you know five or six guys who played aj uh 
you know, I just, um, I felt, I felt like a much more integral part of the soap canvas on Bold and the Beautiful than on General Hospital. AJ was a tough character to play. Um, you know, he was the ne'er-do-well black sheep. Uh, you know, he, he really, uh, I don't know, it seems like he never really got a fair shake. Right. Uh, not, not only from, you know, as a character, but he was a difficult character as an actor to play because I, I just, I don't really feel like he ever really got a fair shake from uh, the show itself, you know? So... I, I think I think I much prefer playing Deacon Sharp. Right. Uh, do you have have they brought back the idea of bringing you on, back on to uh, play Deacon anymore? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that definitely could happen at some point. Uh, right. right now, my character is in jail. Okay. Uh, <laughs> suspected of murder, but right. you know, um, I've been on I've been on and off the show since two thousand one. Okay. So, so you know, uh, I, I would imagine at some point that they call me to come back and reprise the role so uh, and in the meantime I'm moving on with other projects and doing other stuff right so when did you um, perfect like the soap opera look slash eyebrow <laughs> well, it took me a long time right but, uh, I think uh, I started to cultivate it during General Hospital I, I, I much improved it during Sunset Beach and then I think I mastered it on uh, uh, The Bold and Beautiful Right, I I, I always joke with my wife about that when the show you know show goes to commercial. I'm like, that's a great right. look, you know. It's it's awesome. Right. Yeah, because um yeah, the actor who plays John Black on uh, Days of Our Lives has like the perfect look. He he always does that and nails it. Uh, so it's yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's good. So then um I know like a, a bunch of like daytime stars uh, do stand up and you, you do it as well. How did you get involved okay. in doing stand up? Yeah, I've always loved stand-up uh, from the first time I snuck into a comedy club when I was about 14 or 15 years old. Uh, I love doing it. It's it's not something that I I do as often as I would like, um, but uh, you know, I really love it. You get that instant reciprocity from from a live audience, and, and I really like that because, you know, in film and in soap operas, we're not we're not shooting in front of a live audience right. and uh you know so you, you're just not getting that energy coming back at you yeah do you um do you have any plans to do any more coming up uh, yeah you know I'm, I'm 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 talking to a couple clubs right now and i mean you know uh probably the best way to, to follow me on twitter which is uh, uh at sean cannon and whenever i have uh, an appearance coming up you know i, I put it out on twitter and you know, it's always a lot of fun to uh, you know, I, a lot of the fans from the different soaps that I've done and Karate Kid fans come and I do a lot of material about being on a soap and, right. you know, about being uh, uh, the bad guy from Karate Kid 3. So, um, yeah, hopefully uh, uh, if, if you see me performing, come see it. You'll have a good time. Yeah, I would love to. So if, if you do decide to do it again, just make sure you come to New York. For sure. <laughs> definitely, definitely. For sure. I just want to talk a little bit about yeah, I the... Did, I, I did the, I did the uh, what was it called, the New York Comedy Club. Oh, okay. Uh, in in uh, Manhattan. I did that probably about uh, eight months ago or a year ago. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully you'll, you'll do it again soon. We'll, just, uh, we'll check it out on Twitter at Sean Kanan, cool. definitely. Um, yeah, your, your cookbook, uh, The Modern Gen- Gentleman. I you know, yeah. recently purchased a copy. I'm looking forward to... Uh, reading it and testing out some of your recipes. Um, how, um, how did you uh, decide to make a cookbook? I've always loved to cook. Uh, for me, it's, it's 
therapeutic. You know, getting in the kitchen, the, you know, the chopping, the mixing, the you know, the, the creativity that goes into making a dish that never really is quite the same twice. Because I eyeball stuff. I mean, you know, baking is very precise. You have to be very precise when you bake. Uh, and cooking, I think, is more a little more seat of your pants creative. And and I really I enjoy that aspect of it. When I was in college, I couldn't really afford to you know take girls out for right. expensive expensive dinners. But I figured if I could if I could you know, make them a home cooked meal and get them to come over to my place, then, you know, maybe I'd have a shot. Right. <laughs> and I just kind of fell in love with cooking. Um, I, uh, I lived over in Italy, uh, off and on for a year. And, uh, I learned a lot from, uh, from being over there. Uh, my mother's a terrific cook and so is my wife. And I've learned from both of them. And, uh, I, I was pitching a couple book ideas to a publisher and they really, you know, fixated on the idea of the modern gentleman cookbook and they they offered me a deal for that one and that's the one that i put my energy into um it's an interesting book because it's it's not just a cookbook it's a hybrid um it's a book that helps guys be the best guys they can be and tells women how guys think um you know i i always say it it, it teaches guys how to be a guy's guy but still you know have sort of, you know, that emotional vulnerability and availability uh, that I think attracts a lot of women. I I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, back in the day, like you look in the 50s and guys like John Wayne and, you know, the the, the big stars of those days sort of intuitively knew how to be a guy's guy. Right, right. And then, you know, the women's movement happened and which was great in a lot of respects. But guys, I think somewhere along the line became a little confused am i supposed to be the alpha male or am i supposed to be you know the sensitive emotionally available guy uh who's you know can be a good sounding board etc the reality is that it's it's a little bit of both um you know guys my age were often raised by their moms because dad was working and mom teaches you to you know pull out a, a chair for a woman and stand when she comes to the room and open a door and then you get out in the real world and women tell you i don't need you to hold the door for me i don't need you to do that right and consequently i think a lot of guys were confused they're like well wait a minute i learned that this was the right thing from you know the the most important woman in my life at the time and now i'm being told by you know other women that it's wrong and so i, I kind of wrote this book to hopefully help guys you know, uh, tap into their alpha male, but also tap into, you know, sort of the feminine side too, uh, that, that helps make us completely well-rounded men. Um, there's a lot of chapters that have nothing to do with cooking. You know, there's a chapter called The Modern Gentleman Defends Himself, and I talk about how martial arts has been uh, a really, uh, you know, important um central part of my life right and I, I say you know in the event that you actually have to hit a guy in the mouth i suggest that you look at my mashed potato recipe because it's <laughs> it's very easy to chew <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know I, I, there's another there's another chapter i think it's called the modern gentleman learns a language um i i am a voracious student of languages uh and it's made a tremendous impact on my life uh, being able to speak uh, different languages, and um, you know, I, I think I think that you really like it. It's all written very tongue in cheek too. I mean, the book does not take itself seriously. It's very funny. It's very kind of colloquial and 
and cheeky. So I think you'll get a kick out of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading it. Uh, where can uh, fans pick it up? You know, the best place for them to get it is on my website, which is seancanonthemoderngentleman.com. And then you just go into the shop and uh, you can get a copy of the book or you can get my T-shirt that says your karate is a joke. <laughs> uh, I'd be glad to sign either one for you. Uh, so that's probably the best way to, to get it. That's, that's great. And while you were living in Italy, you participated in the Italian version of Dancing with the Stars, right? I did. I did Bailando con la Stella, which was, uh, wow, what a, what a amazing experience that was. I mean, like, for so many reasons. You know, I was, I was in my 40s. I never had learned to dance. I never right. thought I was going to learn to dance. And now suddenly I was training like a professional dancer, um, which was just amazing. And uh, I, I had never lived in a foreign country. And it just... You know, on so many different levels, all functioning at the same time, uh, it was it was almost like a it was a bigger than life experience. It really was. Oh, that's awesome! How yeah. how'd you finish? I lasted nine weeks. I oh, mean, that's, that's for good. A guy with, yeah, for a guy with two left feet, that's right. not too bad. Oh, that, yeah, that's awesome. You, you give someone like me a chance then. <laughs> I'm sorry, but but Sean, this was great. Thank you for a few minutes tonight, and best of luck. Hey, Don, thank you so much. This was this was absolutely my pleasure. And uh, I'll let you know if I have anything else coming up. Maybe we can talk again, okay? And a special thanks to Sean for joining me today. Go follow him on Twitter at Sean Kanan. His website is SeanKananTheModernGentleman.com. You can buy his book on the website. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at the first all 19 Be sure to like the page Living My Youth on Facebook. Go to iTunes, check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Don't have iTunes? Not a problem. The show is on SoundCloud. It's also on Podbean. A new episode of the show comes out every Wednesday. Happy holidays, everybody. <laughs>